everybody, and welcome to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through the best resource they have, the award-winning Netflix drama, The Crown. My name is Sam Chung, and today we'll be discussing the events of Season 1, Episode 8, which is entitled Pride and Joy. I am joined, as always, by my two fantastic co-hosts. First, a man on the hunt for a 100-pound castle of his own. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, have we adjusted that 100-pound mark for inflation? We have indeed. It's about 2,800 uh, pounds in uh, current era, which, you know, converts to still under 4,000 USD, which seems like a very affordable home to me. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the when you go on like a website and they're like, you can buy a house in Italy for like one euro, but you have to like fix it. <laughs> you have to completely renovate it. So I don't know. Now that you say that, it doesn't sound like as much of a steal to me. Also back once again, a woman who's looking to break the Queen's record and visit 58 Australian towns in 58 days. It's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, have you ever been to Australia? I have not, but you know, once COVID ends, I would love to go. We can we can make a stop at Wolferton and then we'll just make a hard right down to Australia. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I think it's a it's a great plan. I'll I'll do I'll take that trip with you. Perfect. I think that's love the it. route that Philip and Elizabeth took in this episode too. <laughs> Their route made even less sense, but we can get into that much later. Uh, before we do that, as always, right off the bat, just want to mention uh, that if you are here because you're curious about whether the events that happened in this uh, episode are factually accurate, you've come to the wrong place because we don't know and we don't really intend to find out for ourselves. We're just going to assume that everything that happened in this episode is 100% true and we'll take it from there. I think to get us kicked off here, Ivan is going to take us through a recap of what we saw here in Pride and Joy. Ivan, take it away. Yeah, so uh, the bulk of this episode centers around uh, Elizabeth and Philip on a Commonwealth tour uh, where they visit just an obscene amount of cities and countries over the stretch of a couple of months. Um, and, you know, they're, they go everywhere from Australia to Bermuda to Gibraltar. Um, and we see them in all these exotic locales, um, which of course opens up a lot of opportunity for them to be racist um, as, as is their want. Um, and uh, in the meantime, uh, you know, somebody's gotta be, you know, uh, holding down the fort back home and a Tending to all of the, you know, public engagements that Elizabeth um, is normally responsible for, you know, knightings and, and you know, royal dinners and such. Uh, and who better to do it than her scorned and vengeful younger sister, Princess Margaret, who still has not gotten over um, what Elizabeth, uh, you know, did to her and uh, Peter Townsend a couple episodes earlier. Uh, so Princess Margaret is appointed as the, you know, go-to uh, fill-in for all of uh, Elizabeth's um, duties back home, um, which, you know, turns out to be about as good of an idea as uh, they feared it would be. Um, you know, she kind of immediately enjoyed Injects a lot of uh, joy and humor and life into those uh, responsibilities and just becomes, uh, you know, a very, you know, popular uh, media sensation um, as as Margaret is primed to do, um, which, of course, you know, ruffles the feathers of both, uh, you know, Elizabeth and Philip, as well as, uh, you know, the the likes of the private secretaries and queen mothers and everybody else who, you know, might have something to say about that. So, 
um, that that's kind of uh, what the episode uh, focuses on. And, uh, you know, when all is said and done, um, Margaret is removed from those responsibilities, uh, I think, before the end of the Commonwealth tour even um, arrives, um, with, you know, Winston himself being the one to just ultimately decide, like, hey, party's over, you know, we need... Uh, uh, old and boring queen mother, um, you know, carrying out the rest of these duties until uh, Elizabeth returns. Uh, the queen mother, um, in the meantime, has been off uh, in Scotland, uh, staying with some friends and touring a uh, seaside castle that is up for sale for just an eye-poppingly uh, uh, cheap price uh, because the owner, you know, just recognizes that there a lot of work needs to be done. Um, he just wants to kind of get rid of it but the conceit of this subplot is that this owner has no idea that the interested buying party is the queen mother queen elizabeth which leads to a you know fun cutesy revelation at the end for him that like oh whoa i've been you know dealing with the queen mother this whole time what an honor um she's just like us uh and <laughs> yeah that that's kind of the the gist of the episode uh lots to unpack here but yeah commonwealth tour Margaret's in charge while Elizabeth's gone. Uh, Margaret is a little too good at the job and nobody likes it. And then she is promptly removed from that position before Elizabeth's return. All right. Thanks, Ivan. I was thinking maybe we could do something a little bit different in this episode if uh, you guys want to try it. So this episode is uh, obviously kind of centered around the three women in the Windsor family between the Queen Mother, who both opens and closes the show, and then the two sisters, who are just at odds with each other pretty much throughout the whole thing. I was wondering if we wanted to go take turns, pick one, and pretty much make the case for why they are the MVP of this episode. So, Carlin, I'll let you go first. Which one of the three is the MVP of this episode for you? Oh, man. Usually I am a Queen Elizabeth stand and like part of me feels like I have to stay like loyal to my girl. Oh man, cuz I think that it it was Margaret, but oh man, what do I do? I'll stick with Elizabeth, you know. Let's let's give myself a little challenge here. I'll I'll keep Liz. And this is the, you know, younger queen or yes. older. Okay. Yes. Younger. This Elizabeth. is our main girl. All right. What what is the case for younger Elizabeth? You know, I think that to some extent, like, there are just, like, like, I don't blame her for following in all these traditions just because I think that, like, there's such a fear. And I think it's interesting how Philip sort of is, like, I think this man has PTSD from his family getting kicked out of, like, royalty because he's so concerned with this idea that, like, the crown could be overturned at any moment. And so I can understand where if it's coming from a place of fear, why they are so stringent about, like, you need to be as boring as possible. Like, to me, that makes sense. So I don't really fault them because I don't think they have therapists. So like, as much as like, you're like, oh man, Liz, you could have done a little more here. Like, I understand why she did it. And I think in the end, it worked out for her. So like, she wasn't wrong. She just wasn't very nice about her delivery. But like, you know what? This is apparently the only way she can assert her power is by like stomping on Margaret, which, you know, that's just how life is sometimes. So, you know what, Elizabeth, you're still queen. No one, there was no, um, no countries got to be, in, <laughs> oh, no countries got to like break free, which apparently in the scope of like, if we want an empire is a good thing. So, you know, Elizabeth did her job. That's all I can say. She, she 
theoretically did her job. All right. Ivan, do you have a preference, Margaret or Queen Mother? Uh, 100% Princess Margaret. Um, This, like, okay, so two episodes ago, I was so delighted that we were finally getting a Princess Margaret-centric episode. But, like, in retrospect, that episode really was more about Peter Townsend than it was about Margaret herself, or at least it all kind of coalesced around him. This was the Princess Margaret episode. Like, this is the one where she she had a spotlight uh, shown upon her, and, j- I mean, she just rocked it like she behaved in the way that i would behave if for whatever insane reason there was like royal power or responsibility thrust upon me like i would be you know kind of self-deprecating about the whole thing i would you know crack jokes try to make everybody feel welcome and at ease and just kind of undermine the uh, the you know godliness of the institution that I was inhabiting, um, which like I mean like yeah, I, I give her all the kudos in the world for tackling it the way that she did, knowing fully well that it wasn't going to work out and that it was just going to piss everybody off. Which you know I think on some level she was probably well aware of that and and was just tempting fate, but she she went for it anyway and. I I mean, I, I just love the heck out of her for it. Like, go Princess Margaret. I'm really glad that I was left with Queen Mother Elizabeth because she was kind of who I wanted to talk about. I think that she had a fantastic episode. Um, she really provided kind of like the emotional through line of this story. Like I said at the beginning, we open with her kind of just like stoic face and we kind of close again with her stoic face. So she kind of really brings us full circle in this episode and we really kind of see... Uh, the full range of emotions. I think this is kind of the first time that we've seen the Queen Mother in kind of like extended scenes, and she really lives up to the challenge, and we see her break down, you know, kind of how much pressure she's under and how, you know, she hasn't really had an outlet to deal with Birdie's death, which, you know, we've kind of, obviously we're watching a television show and it's kind of easy to dissociate, but yeah, for her, not only did Birdie die, but, you know, now she's been removed from her home and her kids are preoccupied. She's going through some sort of like empty nest syndrome. And I really felt that from her. I feel like it was really great to see her kind of cope with that, be able to get away from it all make like a connection with somebody who actually didn't recognize her. It's crazy to imagine, I guess, somebody in the present day ever not knowing somebody of like that level of fame. But, you know, it's it's the 1950s and people don't have access to televisions. So I loved everything that we got from Queen Mother Elizabeth in this episode. And yeah, all three of these women were just very powerful in this episode. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's no wonder that that guy didn't know what the Queen Mother looked like. Not only did he not have television, he didn't have electricity in that (laughs) castle. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't have a lot. Like, the window was broken. Oh, my God. I had it written down. But, like, yeah, basically, it's a real fixer-upper. That house is just, like, where you would set, like, a gothic horror story. But, like, it's just not that show. So (laughs) the only time you'll get a house like that in really pretty lighting. All right. So... I really enjoyed both of your arguments and I feel like you can't really go wrong with any of these women, honestly. Like they all have really strong moments throughout this episode. But Carlin, let's go back to Liz. So Liz, we've seen her trying to figure out with Philip who's the top, who's the bottom, but it doesn't just stop there. She also has that argument with members of her family now. Uh, (laughs) I swear. (laughs) She is the head of the family now and she will make the speech. 
Yeah, I did enjoy that scene where she did finally, like, assert her dominance. Because, like, we're waiting for scenes. Like, as much as she has not bucked any establishments, like, as much as it feels like she's hitting some real easy targets here by, like, you know, torturing her family. Because, like, do we not all just put all our anger out on our family and we can't give it to anyone else? It's just nice to see her in moments of, like, poise and assertiveness in any regard. So... I actually really enjoyed that scene, even if Margaret probably would have given a better speech. Like, I, you know, I just like Elizabeth, like, doing that. And yeah, so I just, it's nice, like I said, it's just nice to see her, like, taking on her position in a way that feels like we're moving, like, up the ladder of her being, like, at ease with power. It's like those arcs where you really enjoy watching people, like, become evil with power. I don't think you know, I can't really say how evil Queen Elizabeth gets over the course of this series. Who knows? But, you know, I'm just ready to see, like, how she actually handles power now that she doesn't seem, like, as hesitant about it. Yeah, and by the way, this is not related to anything important, but um, Princess Margaret and Queen Elizabeth's makeup in the statue unveiling scene was so good. Like, they looked so good in that scene. <laughs> kudos to um the hair and makeup team y'all are doing a real good job it made up for the fact that that statue didn't really look like birdie was that just me oh no it didn't <laughs> so, so I, I like i had a thought about that so in the previous episode i think there was a a, a shot of a a portrait of president eisenhower that was actually the real life eisenhower and not the actor that was portraying him so when they <laughs> unveiled that statue i was actually wondering like is this supposed to look like jared harris or the actual king there is a real statue right i mean there's got yeah there's a real statue but i feel like you've got to be consistent can you Do imagine you? having netflix like there was budget? again there was a photo of president eisenhower like <laughs> that looked different than the in show president eisenhower that we saw five minutes earlier in last week's episode like so are they really gonna go through the trouble of like creating a jared harris statue when there is already you know a statue of the king that you know you could probably get away with claiming looks like jared harris if you squint real hard you know it was such a quick scene <laughs> now we're stuck on it all right i'm gonna vote that it's not Jared Harris. I mean, it definitely no, it I'm definitely voting. was not Jared Harris, but it should have been. It feels lazy. The same way it should have been a painting of Eisen of yeah. the in of the in universe Eisenhower. It looked like Jared Harris if he like got really sickly and lost fifty pounds. Can you imagine they just um get a statue of cancer birdie? Oh geez, it's just a That's statue of his lung. <laughs> oh, That's where that lung went. <laughs> It's just a mold of the lung. Yeah. Wait, right. no, that scene was really emotional. Like, that's, it's like, yeah, no, they don't really give Queen Mother, like, that much, like, sustained acting roles, like, scenes in the show. So it was really heartbreaking to see someone still be mourning Birdie because it's like, yeah, that storyline, like, emotionally would still be going on. So I, I did really enjoy getting to watch an old lady cry in her car, hitting you in the feels. Absolutely. All right. So, the Commonwealth tour is the other half of this episode. And we got, I guess we got like a mini Commonwealth tour a while ago when Elizabeth went on her trip to Africa. But now we get the full, full version of the Commonwealth tour. And, you know, Ivan, 
it was kind of just as cringy and just so pointless. I mean, what like what was the line about like when they were in Australia, 57 towns in 58 days or, or maybe vice versa? I don't remember. But who the hell needs to visit every single town in Australia to remind people that they're the monarch? Like, I would imagine you probably have what? five Australian cities that at this point have more than, you know, 500,000 people living in them. And then the rest are just towns of 30. Why do you need to go visit those people? To me, it's not worth it if you don't get a meet and greet, at least. Like, could you imagine they just they spend the whole day in your tiny town and you're like still barred from seeing them? That would just make me want to like get independence even more. Like, give me a perk here. Like, come on. I want a photo op. I have a serious question. What is a British Commonwealth? Like, like maybe not in like 1953 or 54 terms, but like today where like, you know, presumably like the monarchy and the government don't actually have like any governmental control of these uh, nations. Like, what does it even mean to be a Commonwealth? Are you paying taxes that go back to like the monarchy? Like, what are you doing? I think you at least have a really easy time getting work visas throughout the Commonwealth. I, that's one thing I know that's good about it. I was going to say they all pray to her, but like, I don't think she's actually a god. So. Oh, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think in 2021, she might have, uh, the monarchy might have lost its luster a little bit. It just seems like so many places to visit. It must be the it's the visas and then do they pay taxes? I don't know. I you think they'd still be ang I don't think so cuz like when we broke off we don't have to pay any taxes. That would suck if they still do. Well, we're not a commonwealth. We're the we're greatest not, country which on is, earth. Um, <laughs> so unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, I guess they went in right and they I guess yeah, Britain goes in what? They build infrastructure. So I guess they would do have they? to pay some sort of taxes, right? I don't know. Like, I mean, you look at when they went to like, um, where were they, Bermuda? It just seems like every time they go on one of these Commonwealth tours, like whenever they're like staying in like a nice little resort, it seems like, you know, the staff there is like really happy to be like attending to them. But every time they're at one of those parades or speeches, you just see like a lot of like official figures from those countries just look very unhappy about the whole affair. You know who else is unhappy about this whole affair? It's Philip. I have a guest. <laughs> <laughs> it's Philip who is whining this entire time. I mean, <sighs> Philip who is just, you know, getting to see the entire world on the monarchy's dime. Like Philip who gets to stay in all of these hotels and resorts and just like scenic like masterpieces that most of us can never even aspire to even see a fraction of like fucking philip all right so philip always says like one thing that i agree with but then he wraps it up in like so much bullshit that it's like uh like because he's like we should take a break you know we don't have to kill ourselves here and it's like yes you're correct but then he just uh it's like come on you're so close he is he is he's unrivaled when it comes to like making a good point that he then just completely torpedoes with his personality. <laughs> like no no one touches him when it comes to doing that. Man, he even like was predicting the um the dissolution, like the dis dissolve, that's not a word, but whatever it means to disappear of like the British Empire. And no and you know, he was right, but no one pays attention to this man because he just ruins it. 
like but but again like what does the dissolution of the british empire like mean like what what happens when a country goes from being a commonwealth to not being a commonwealth what does that process even look like none of this is ever explained to us granted they don't have time to explain it to us but it, it would really be helpful i really assume it means that the government doesn't have to like if they don't want to have the monarchy show up maybe they can say no like you just can't come today which based on their expressions during some of these visits, like it seems like they don't want the monarchy there. It seems like it's just such a hassle to and, and probably such a burden to like the town to do all of these preparations. But like, are we just meant to believe that like nothing exciting ever happens there and they're just so enchanted to be visited by this figure that they maybe see divine to some extent? Well, she has a hundred dresses. She and had, they have, okay, I they have did little enjoy... touches from these countries. <laughs> Okay, that part was cringe, but like the the amount, just that little fashion moment where like you got to see her in like a little designer shop. I did think that was kind of fun. Or, or like where all the models just kind of like curtsied simultaneously. Yeah, that was some good um some good blocking. Yeah, there was no Elizabeth's like, can we economize? And I just want to know how many dresses she had in mind because doesn't like old lady elizabeth now wear like one dress so i like to think this has just been a lifelong thing for her of just trying to get like a hundred dresses down to one dress and she's gonna do it by the time her reign ends we're thinking about the lime green one right yeah that one (laughs) (laughs) well so like yeah i thought that was interesting that like elizabeth for a second tried to be the voice of reason and like we don't need a hundred dresses that is just so just you know extravagant and wasteful but then she was reminded, like, no, 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 no. The the government wants you to to waste taxpayer money. Like, you know, why why have fifty dresses when you can have a hundred? Even though presumably she can get away with, you know, being an outfit repeater once or twice here. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the nineteen. 19- She's going to show up in photographs in black and white anyway. They're not going to tell what the color of the dress is even. Okay, wait, that's so true. Oh my god, I want to know what and happens I, I, to all these dresses. <laughs> I'd be willing to bet that some of the dresses probably looked pretty similar too. Like, it, I mean, it, it, she's she's not like you know super fashion forward. She's probably wearing like relatively you know conservative like dresses that are going to have a lot of overlap. So like, how could you possibly have a hundred of them? I don't know. It, you're right. But like, are they in a museum now? Where are all these dresses? Because like, this is one Commonwealth tour. She must have taken. She's probably taken like dozens of these, or like over the course of the entire monarch, like the modern well, monarchy of the 20th, 20th, 21st century, where are all the dresses? What happened? I want to know. Where's my documentary? Well, up until this point, this is probably still only her second tour, right? Because she did the one shortly before her father's death that was actually stepping in for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is her official kind of full first full circuit. Yeah. Based on what we've seen, this is the second one. I think we can safely assume that this is the second one. On that note about Birdie, um, he actually comes up a lot in this episode besides just the statue. One thing that I found weird was Winston Churchill seeing the plane off. Um, <laughs> yes. Because they, they show him getting out of his car and then walking snail's pace to the plane. <laughs> and then he gets in and he has a speech with Queen Elizabeth on the plane. I don't understand why he, like, why wouldn't you have this talk before the plane? <laughs> he just thought of it right then and there. Like, I imagine he bolted up in the middle of his nap and was just like, I gotta go tell Elizabeth in person and then just like made some driver rush over there as opposed to a phone call. Yeah. 
but basically his message there is Birdie saw this uh, tour as a chance to basically keep the Empire together. Um, and while you're out there, you know, keep up the facade, basically. Oh, man. What was... facade, though? I guess not throwing a tennis racket at your husband. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> oh, my God. The greatest Elizabeth <laughs> moment yet. Yeah, I don't know. This It's so weird, like, just slightly outside of, like, when you're watching this as, like, a historical thing. Because I guess that... I guess there was a point where Britain was really upset about losing the empire. It's so weird to think now because they seem kind of chill about it. But wow, I guess they <laughs> it, it felt so like Kipling-esque. And it's like I, you kind of expect that like that would have been going on into the 50s. But it's like, wow, they were really real. I mean, obviously they were horrible. Oh, man, Winston. Winston really <laughs> was drinking that empire juice. It was like almost like cartoonish how how much he was drinking the Empire Juice. Empire Juice sounds like actually like a great name for a brand. Carlin, can we invent Empire Juice? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> if you like, I don't know, we can tell it's a Lucasfilm. Taraji P. Henson can be our um, our spokeswoman Perfect. for the Empire Juice. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, that tennis racket scene... Um, Oh, wait, wow. this one? I was not expecting that. <laughs> that was I, like so much more unhinged than we've ever seen, Elizabeth. I, I loved it. Um, I know. Can but, she do this more often? Like, wow. But but it's amazing like how sh she immediately like did the emotional switch after she saw that, you know, they they had been observed and that there were journalists with cameras and the way that she even just like approached those journalists and and the fact that like they like you could see the expression on their faces of like this inner turmoil between like do we continue you know exercising journalistic ethics here and you know report to the world what we just witnessed or do we bow down to our queen right now and it ended up being like this amazing moment of bargaining where they like gave up the film in exchange for just like an exclusive interview with her. And, oh, oh, that that scene was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, one thing that the, the important piece of context is that the reason that she snaps like that is basically because Philip is like, you know, doing this tour all the way won't make your dad love you anymore. <laughs> like, what? Dude, why are you such a dick? I swear, like, I hope that this is going to pay off and Elizabeth's going to, like, stab him in the same way, like, which is unexpectedly in a few episodes. Yeah, that was rough. Like, I do appreciate that someone wants to just spell out Elizabeth's um psychic, like, condition. So thank you, Philip, for that, because we were all thinking it, but no one was saying it. But wow, yeah, no, he hit a chord. And I'm, I'm glad to know that Elizabeth has a chord to hit because she's so level-headed. And you're like, do, do you feel emotions in the anger category? She does. Good for her. But 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 how many people like realistically have ever tried to provoke Elizabeth and like disrespect her in that way? Like they, they wouldn't dare. Like Philip's the only one that would like Philip, Margaret, maybe to some degree the queen mother, you know, if she was being super petty and angry at her. But like yeah. nobody's going to tell Elizabeth off like that. So I think she's probably unprepared for scenarios like that one. Which I think is fascinating to be able to see. Like I love being able to see sort of like the where you can witness the way someone's raised based on like little interaction like not little but like what could have been a little interaction if it had been someone who was you know well adjusted 
Although, I don't know. I think that that was warranting of a general chase with tennis racket, regardless of whether or not you have any sort of good socialization. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys want to switch gears and talk about Margaret some more? Let's do it. She was doing... Oh, man. (laughs) She was so charming in this episode. I mean, like, let's go, Margaret. This is your time. When she was hosting, what was it like that uh, state gathering dinner party where it was just like all of the uh, the ambassadors yeah all of the ambassadors and you know she she did her little welcome speech and like oh man uh, just like i fell in love with her all over again in that scene like she just did not give a shit about the customs and the institutions and the stuffiness of it of it all she injected so much humanity into that mm-hmm. uh, you know that speech and that you know party Ah, and she just gets punished for it, and it's so tragic and so annoying, and 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 the the justification for why, like you know, that that Winston and other people give her for why she can't behave that way. Like I understand why they think that way, but they're wrong. Like they're they're just always so wrong. And mm-hmm. like this idea that like you know they they are not allowed to shatter the illusion of of the the crown just being this like heartless. In institution that you know is, is is there to be more of a machine than than a, than a human entity like i just disagree with that so vehemently and i mm-hmm. love the fact that margaret does too yeah i mean here's the thing so at the end of the episode there are a few things that liz like lists off that she did like she made some guy cry like you deserved <laughs> like, it there <laughs> here's the thing i wish that we had seen those moments um, yeah i'm I, sure he deserved it <laughs> No, for sure. I think it would have just like given more to Margaret's case, theoretically, if we had actually seen because I imagine they would be like stuffy old man, like where they like, you know, stiffen up and get like, oh, my God, like, how dare you? Like, I imagine it was a very low key thing. Like what Margaret actually said wasn't that bad. I would have loved to be able to judge that myself. But yeah, so I agree with Sam. In that ambassador, uh, the ambassador dinner scene, what I really liked was um, Martin's facial expressions as he learned that she wasn't messing with his speech, I thought it was hilarious. So good. Yeah. That was great. Because they had talked about it earlier. She called him in and she was like, I have some changes. And he was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> and then she just did it anyways. Badass. No, you got to keep Martin on his toes. Okay. So so Martin was there because uh, Michael Adine was on the Commonwealth tour with Elizabeth and Philip, right? I believe so. Yeah. He, uh, okay. Martin so, is so the junior. Martin- Right, but but like for the for the purposes of all of like the stuff happening back at home, Martin is probably like behaving more like the kind of senior like private secretary at this point, right? Uh, like yes. the, like man- managing those speeches and kind of babysitting Margaret would have been something that Michael Adine would be doing were he not off on the Commonwealth tour. Well, yeah, I think so. Michael, I, I feel like Michael Adine kind of just stays with Queen Elizabeth. So if, if Queen Elizabeth had stayed. In London, she would have been giving the speech, and then by extension, Michael Adine would have been there as well. I guess, like you know, props to Martin. You know, he didn't end up getting the top job, but he still, you know, kind of rose to the occasion of the office that he's, you know, gunning for. So, you know, even though I disagree with the institution that he represents and everything that he stands for and is trying to achieve, you know, at least he's taking the job seriously mm-hmm. and and not focusing mm-hmm. on trimming down trees. <laughs> I loved all the scenes with uh, both Liz and Margaret. 
Um, oh, I thought yeah. that their chemistry was really good in this episode. The quick barbs that they would have back and forth, I thought were mm-hmm. really, really great. Yeah, I mean, they're two completely different people, and it brings into mind like a bigger kind of nature versus nurture debate because like obviously Liz is kind of the more serious person, but it's like, is she just naturally a more serious person or did she become a more serious person because she knew that she was going to be the queen? And then how did that affect Margaret? So it's interesting, like, I don't know. It's it's interesting to think about, like, whether or not that this is who these people are or whether or not they were raised to be these people. I firmly believe that if Elizabeth wasn't queen, she would become a full-time horse girl. Like, that, that's just, <laughs> I think that's a genuine interest of hers. You call her um, a horse girl every episode. <laughs> It's never not relevant. There were corgis in this episode and I brought them up. But no, I totally agree that, yeah, no, it's really very interesting. And yeah, because she, it does seem to some extent like that's just sort of like what they were always like. I would want to know if like, I want to know where Margaret, you know, I wonder where Margaret gets her disposition from. Like, is this like a David thing that came in? Like there has to be one monarch that has like a really strong, like, personality because like when you look at birdie and queen mother elizabeth you're like okay i get where y'all are like elizabeth like it seems like a very clear like just transfer of like general disposition and personality just like boom but margaret man where did she learn to have fun if elizabeth weren't queen would she have the means to be a horse girl yeah i wait are we saying that like if david had become king and she was still like 20th in line or if she was just a normal girl Oh, I, I guess I was thinking a normal girl, but I, I guess the more realistic alternative would be her continuing to be an extended member of the royal family, but without the monarchy and the responsibilities of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, she probably would have been a horse girl anyway. You're right. She could just be a low-key horse girl. Like, I I could see her either, like, stable hand if we're going real low, like, where she has to, like, actually make money. And it, But if she has some money or, like, she has a little castle somewhere, like, she could have, like, five horses. But yeah, every scene between the two of them, like when uh, Margaret is practicing knighting. Okay, that was my favorite scene. <laughs> <laughs> that was your fa- Why was that your favorite scene? I just think it's really funny when we've been having all these debates about like who's the top and who's the bottom. And then like straight up, m- number one, Margaret's wearing pants. Like I don't think like, she's number one. I feel like no one else wears pants besides her who's like a woman, obviously for the times. So she's a modern woman. And just like the way that like, Elizabeth just like kind of like begrudgingly agreed to do this and then that little scene where Elizabeth's like um it's the flat end (laughs) she was like putting the blade on her shoulder I I love little little props like that it gets to you get to show dynamics in that way it's really fun I, I will say like uh you know two weeks ago the the Jellic Knight episode when uh Peter Townsend was banished to Brussels. I was really worried that there wouldn't be like sufficient emotional kind of fallout from that and like follow up, uh, you know, on Margaret's, you know, kind of vitriol against Elizabeth. But this episode and the scenes between the two of them did not disappoint. Like Mm -hmm. you could, you could just still see that fury seeping out of her. And it was just a delight to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, I think that scene culminated in this line. Your queen not a showgirl. Which was basically kind of the the source of uh, tension between Margaret and Elizabeth throughout this entire episode. The one 
super, um, <laughs> I kind of had a little bit more respect for Elizabeth moment that I had was, um, when they're, wa- when she's reading the paper about how Margaret did. And then Philip is like, were you hoping she would fail? And Elizabeth is like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I like that actually. <laughs> it's like a human yeah, thing. Being honest. The, the real sense that I got is that, you know, Margaret was not removed from her post toward the end of the episode because she was kind of botching things up too much. It was because it was making Elizabeth uncomfortable how how much she was winning people over and how magnetic her personality was. Like mm-hmm. it, it, the issue wasn't that Margaret had failed. It was that she succeeded, you know, beyond leaps and bounds. Yeah. To go back for a second, um, we mentioned the whole Peter Townsend thing. We got more Peter in this episode. He's back. Yeah, yeah, but it didn't really like move things forward at all. He's still banished off to Brussels. He, I mean, he really just operated kind of as a sounding board for Margaret this episode, which which I'm all about because again, like it, it's been too much about him and and not enough about Margaret in in previous episodes. And he was he was just an accessory to her uh, this time around, which you know I, I think is exactly how it should have been. I still find him boring, like for the record, and this episode didn't change my mind. But no, absolutely, 100%. like we love Margaret being able to talk and like express her feelings. You know, I thought it was great, and I think it also just like showed what their situation is like, which it's clearly very limited. I mean, there there has not been a single scene in the show where Margaret has speaking lines that hasn't been a good scene. Like there there were, you know, these long stretches where like Margaret was relegated to like a background character or, you know, just like having, you know, just a single reaction shot when opening up the windows and seeing smog out in London. Like that was literally her only role in that one episode. And it's it's just so befuddling to me how underutilized she was in the first half of the season. But they are course correcting in a big way, and I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Vanessa yeah. Kirby is fantastic, and always glad to see. Yeah, no, just the acting chops when you get those two, like Claire Foy and Vanessa Kirby, in a scene together. Like, and there's no other distractions of any other characters. They just they do such a wonderful, wonderful job. They do, and I don't know which episode was like the episode that got um, Claire Foy her Emmy win, but I feel like there were a couple moments in this episode where she would give like a monologue and I was like, that's her going for her Emmy. <laughs> like um, the scene on the plane with Philip, I think it ends with this line. But for better or worse, the crown has landed on my head. And I say we go. I was just like, mm-hmm. she's going for that Emmy right there. Oh, yeah. Emmy moment. Did Vanessa Kirby get any nominations for this role? Cause she is like fantastic. What's, what's the deal? I don't know. Can we look? Is this, is this, does that fall into the category of can we look it up if we don't know? I don't know. <laughs> it's about I'm nervous actors. <laughs> I know that Claire Foy won. I know that for yeah. a fact. I don't know about Vanessa Kirby. Well, Vanessa, um, justice for you if you didn't win. <laughs> I, I think you're doing a really, I think you did a really good job. I actually believe that uh, Claire Foy won twice. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Season one and two. So, oh, bravo. We, we have a, lot more top-notch stuff to look forward to from her the flip side of margaret is that everybody's like yeah you need to prop her up you need to like feed her ego people think real little of her like we love her but even her mom is like yeah she needs to feel special it's very unfortunate that um that she was the second board like because you can see the way that like elizabeth sort of suffers from like 
kind of like low-key like introverted like boring girl personality which i don't think is a problem like i could probably fall into that category more than like a margaret category but (laughs) just like the way it works i guess it's fine because margaret probably would have turned it into more of a celebrity ship if she had been queen but yeah like what do you do with someone who like is like a clearly like inspire like aspiring actress type personality but like i don't think can she have another career where she would be seeking out the spotlight like can she read a book or can she go like star in movies? I don't think so because I think uh, David made mention that as part of his uh, like you know agreement to remain in the royal family and continue receiving an a- allowance, he wasn't allowed to have any commercial engagements. So yeah, no, no profiteering off of their their status at all. Um, yeah, for better or for worse. But Carlin, yeah. uh, you just inspired a really great question. You already went ahead and answered it. I'm going to turn Oops. it over to Sam. Sam. Yes. You consider yourself more of an Elizabeth or a Margaret? I'm definitely more of an Elizabeth by the script. I might go, I might make like a, a tiny joke, do a tiny improv, but I'm not looking to, you know, just go crazy with it. I was always kind of the more responsible adult in the room. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it's not as fun, but you know, what about you, Ivan? Uh, I think externally I'm more of a, a Margaret, but kind of deep down inside, I have a lot of the sensibilities of Elizabeth and just a lot of the kind of curmudgeon nature that she has. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I really felt bad for Margaret at the end because <laughs> I think she said, what is she, she says next to you, I will always be evil. I'll be the evil sister. Yeah, I will be that's hopeless, so lost and lesser. She's so tortured. Mm-hmm. She really is. She She'll needs be a therapist. Fine. <laughs> like, okay, th- th- this is the problem. Like, we we become so sympathetic to these people that we forget like who they are and the lives that they're living. Like, I'm sure it's hard. I'm sure they have their problems. But like, let's not you know underestimate like how much comfort and luxury that they get to experience, regardless of whatever you know emotional turmoil they might be experiencing, which never seems to be about anything other than romance. True. One thing that I I realized right at the end, when they arrive back home, Phil is like, oh my God, kids, dogs. Why didn't these kids go on this? Tr- like, what have these kids been doing? Um, They are not allowed to do anything. And also, <laughs> did, did Elizabeth even greet her children? Or she just like walked so. right past them? <laughs> they haven't seen her in like four months. She didn't even say hi to a corgi. She did nothing. Like no acknowledgement of anything cute in her vicinity. Like she has an anti-cute shield. Seriously, has she ever interacted with those children? Like I genuinely... She looks out the window as Philip plays with them sometimes. But like I don't think she's ever done anything. Car- Carlin, you keep raising this question <laughs> and you keep turning to us like looking for an answer. We don't have the answer. It like, baffles it, it, she, me. It's, it's like baffling. she could very well, yeah, she could very well just completely neglect her children, and we wouldn't know. But it, but it would explain a lot. All right, let, shall we <laughs> get day. kinky? Well, no. Okay, so one more note, one last note that I want to talk about was the relaxant in the cheek, um, which we haven't talked about yet. But Liz apparently oh. like is smiling oh, so yeah. much. That she needs a shot directly into the cheek. I was like, it why? It broke her face. Yeah. <laughs> why is this yeah. happening? I don't want to see it. You have to know the pain that she goes through to exist. It's like, you can get the shot, but you'll have trouble eating and drinking. And she's like, yeah, I'll do it. Do it. Hit me. <laughs> 
Oh my God. It was crazy. That was wild. That's when you know you need a break. Like you can either stop smiling or get a shot in your face. All right. Uh, but Ivan, sorry. Now we can go to Kinky Crown Award. Did you have a nominee in mind? There wasn't a lot in this episode. I don't there think. There wasn't. Uh, no. Yeah. I, I think this was, I, well, I say this almost every single week, like, oh, there, there weren't really any kinky moments here, but then you two find a way to surprise <laughs> me. Um, uh, I would go with, yeah, I got nothing. Nothing. Uh, Carlin, did you have any nominees? I, I mean, it'll probably get me canceled somewhere. But I 100% would say the scene where Margaret was practicing her knighting on Elizabeth. All right. So I had two. One was apparently Peter Townsend has been assigned this guy, Sergeant Hewitt. But Sergeant Hewitt's only job is to watch Peter Townsend all day. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There it is. (laughs) That's his only job. And then um, my second nominee is not so much like a a kinky like in a way that like maybe we would find kinky like um but maybe it's like her own personal kink so margaret goes to visit this coal mine and um while she's down there or she comes back from the coal mine and she says that while she was down there some coal went into her mouth but it tasted delicious (laughs) (laughs) huh so okay. that's unfortunately all I have. Um, after the the gems that we had last episode, unfortunately, this one was very clean in that sense. So, Carlin, where are you falling on this? I I guess I have to just keep digging myself deeper into this hole I've made, and I'll I'll keep voting for my knighting. All right, uh, Ivan, how about you? Do I have to? <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, all right. So your your two options were the the coal in her mouth, and then uh, <laughs> P- Peter's uh, Sergeant Peter, essentially. Yes. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, these are all pretty bottom of the barrel options. Um, I would go with. You know, it's weird that like nothing happened with Philip and Elizabeth in this episode, despite how much time they spent together. Like, was there really nothing between them? I mean, we could we could try to construe, like, throwing tennis rackets at each other, you know, like, I don't know. It just, like, didn't have the vibe no, where you, where no, you it see didn't. it and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And, and no, nothing, be- nothing between Margaret and Peter either, like, over the phone. No, because the one time that, like, or I guess they have that one car, the second conversation, he's basically just, like, lecturing her. It wasn't very kinky. He's like, why'd you do that? Okay, so so Carlin, you've got you went with uh, Margaret and the the sword. Uh, Sam, did you vote already? I have, I did not, but I'm gonna vote for Sergeant Hewitt watching Peter Townsend all day. Okay, good. Well, I'm gonna abstain from voting, and we'll let fate decide. Oh, we're going to the spinner. Oh wow. So wait, I feel like I do this every time, but have we done the spinner before t- officially? I guess we have once, right? I think like only in our first episode, right? Yeah. All right. Let me uh let me share my screen. Oh, Carlin, again, you've disabled participant screen sharing. Oh my god. <laughs> I never see this coming. Wait, are you worried we won't believe you? I am a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, you can now share the screen. All right, here there we go. It is. It's a 50-50 shot because Ivan has abstained. Ivan, All are right. you sure you don't want to just uh go with the coal and we can make it a 3? Or you're you're fully abstaining. 
uh, oh, you want me to add Cole into the mix just so that can potentially you don't have accidentally to. win? You really don't. You don't have to. We can. Sure, we can sure, just... sure, sure. My my votes for Cole. Throw Cole in there. <laughs> Watch that be the one that wins. I know. <laughs> yeah, and and, I, and I'm doing that just to potentially spite both of you. <laughs> All right, here we go. Speeding up. Wow, what quite the animation. <laughs> And oh. the knighting has won. Oh! Congratulations, Carlin. Good work, Carlin. Oh, I'm not proud. <laughs> All right. So congratulations to, I guess, Margaret, right? Margaret and Swords. This is, I want to say, her second Kinky Crown Award, but I'm not so. 100% sure. I have not been. We probably should start like a track. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that eventually. All right, but if you have, you know, listeners, if you have your own thoughts on a moment that we missed, uh, definitely let us know. And, uh, you know, as always, you can vote for who you thought was the Kinky Crown Award winner in the Twitter poll that we'll put up uh, following the release of this episode. All right, I want to revisit our exercise at the beginning and just ask both of you really quickly, uh, after talking through this episode, has your thoughts on MVP of this episode changed at all? Or do you still kind of fall or does your thought kind of like who you were going with at the beginning? Uh, is that still who you think is the MVP now that we're at the end? Uh, Carlin, we'll start with you. I do still, I'll still say Elizabeth, but like, I really feel for Margaret. I feel like she's like on her last, <laughs> her last leg before, like she just explodes. I've been, are you still a Margaret Stan? Uh, yes, uh, I'll, I'll keep Margaret as my vote. And yeah, I mean, I agree. I think this is her villain origin story in the season finale. She's going to turn into a witch <laughs> and they'll have to take her down. She's the evil <laughs> sister. And I'm still on the queen mother train. Wow. We've, <laughs> we are the most unconvincing people. Yep. <laughs> it's fine though. I like that. It's, uh, it's equitable. No, I'll, I'll change my vote to Cole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that I think should take us to an end uh, on season one, episode eight of The Crown, unless you guys have any closing thoughts here. Mm. I'm all good. Yeah, I'm good. All right, so uh, if you like what you heard today, you can find out more about The Crown, um, stay up to date with all of our uh, podcasts, try to follow our uh, journey as we try to court the Wolferton Splash account, uh, or I guess the Wolferton Train Station account on Twitter. <laughs> At Crown Around Pod. You can find our episode library at our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash crowning around or whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, coming up here at Paginated Media on Tuesdays every week, we have the Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. And a week from today, next Thursday, we'll be back talking about The Crown Season 1 episode nine here on crowning around that episode is called assassins oh wow this is about to take a real turn so yeah we get some i guess assassins uh next episode so looking forward to that until then we will see you next time thanks for listening and god save the queen god save, god save the, the queen, queen.